Hey there, do you love pet content and want more of it? If so, please hit the subscribe button. Your support helps keep this content free and lets me know you're enjoying the show. So please hit that subscribe button and maybe even give us a review while you're at it. Thank you. At Stray Rescue of St. Louis, calls come in every day that send rescuer Donna Lockman out into the field. She never knows quite what to expect, but she's always ready for anything. On a gray January day in 2022, though, she got a call that has stuck with her ever since. We had gotten a call from a truck driver, actually, and he said that he had spotted a dog laying in like a concrete culvert on the side of the road and drove up and down a little bit before we actually spotted her on the side of the road. And um, so we stopped, got out. She never even attempted to get up. She kind of raised her head a little bit and looked all, you know, kind of pathetic. From their vantage point, they didn't see anything to indicate that the young pup was seriously injured. So Donna made her approach. So I walked over and she actually let me just pick her up. She didn't even attempt to get up or go anywhere. So got her in the Jeep. And once she was in the Jeep, you could see that her one back leg was really swollen. We don't know if she was hit by a car or how she got the injuries, but she ended up with a dislocated hip and all of the bones in that same foot were broken. It's very hard, especially in a young dog, to immobilize the leg enough for it to heal. But we wanted to give that a chance. So they kind of put a boot on her foot and wrapped her leg to where it was, you know, bent up close to her body. They put her hip back in place and then wrapped it up. But unfortunately, that didn't last very long. This wounded pup needed a more extensive intervention, including surgery to help keep her hip in place. She also needed a boot to help her foot heal. And more than anything, she needed some time and space to recover. One of the vets at Stray Rescue kept the pup for a while, and then Donna took over and brought the puppy home to continue to heal. Finally, you know, she uh, healed up enough to take the boot off and then came home with me and she never left. Donna named the dog Odella, and she is now one of seven dogs in Donna's very active and happy home. And while many people may have been scared off by the care that Odella needed, Donna believes that Odella and all rescue animals are worth the time and effort it takes to save and rehabilitate them. And Odella is a perfect example of that. She got along really well with all my dogs and just really seemed to fit in. She's just a really good dog. She's been a great ambassador for other foster puppies that I've taken home. Since then, she absolutely loves to play with the other puppies and dogs. So it's just been a really cool experience to see, start to finish with her, how far she's come. Odella is one of millions of examples of rescue pets who have been given a new life thanks to an organization that stepped in at the right time and a pet parent who was willing to open her heart to an animal who needed her. But despite success stories like Odella's, there are still misconceptions and hesitancies when it comes to rescue animals. And there are prejudices that potential pet parents might have that Donna is here to dispel. We'll get into all of that right after the break. Stay with us. Mm-hmm. 
Do you have a very good boy or girl who you want to reward with some special treats? If so, look no further than Blue Nudge's Chicken Jerky. My dog Teddy goes absolutely crazy for them, and can you blame him? They are slow, oven-dried, easy to tear, and packed with protein. And these tender treats are made with real USA chicken. With no artificial flavors or preservatives, Blue Nudge's Jerky Cuts are a healthy way to celebrate everyday moments. Get them wherever you buy treats, and if you haven't yet, download the Buddies app to earn rewards and connect with other pet parents like you. Through your work, you're coming into contact with animals in every kind of situation. You're rescuing dogs and cats and all these animals who are in various stages and states and times of their life. So talk to me about what that's like. How do you assess these animals? when you're in the process of picking them up, after you rescue them, before you place them with somebody, what is the whole kind of like process of saving an animal look like? So I think, especially with the rescues, it's very much dog to dog or dog, you know, cat to cat or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Every situation is a little bit different because every animal situation is a little bit different. Some of them literally run right up to you. I've had a a few dogs um, when I've been out rescuing, literally jump in the Jeep themselves, you know, (laughs) and the rule of thumb is if you jump in the Jeep that you get rescued, there is no going back from there. So that's fair. And then others, it really varies from, you know, they cower down, they, they growl, um, they run away. Um, You know, it's just, it's different from dog to dog and the situation getting them all is very different too. I mean, as far as, you know, just the scared ones, just a super slow approach and many of them are, are going to be hungry. So the Vienna sausages always work really well. <laughs> yes. I've heard that's part of your repertoire. <laughs> right. Never <laughs> leave home without Vienna sausages. And a slippy. So slow, calm voice with them and you know, some of them will, as, as soon as they walk up to the Vienna sausages, they're okay with you putting a leash on. Some of them, it's a little bit more of a challenge. You, you know, try to just get them to put their head through the leash by guiding them through with the Vienna sausages. And when the slip leads don't work, then we try a trap. You know, they're humane. So um, we set them up, food goes in the back, you prop the door in the front, and then kind of just trail a little bit of food. And for the most part, you know, the traps will work if the slip leads don't. There's there's been other situations that we've had to become a bit more creative. We call it MacGyvering the situation. <laughs> you had to work so hard to, to get these dogs, to rescue these dogs, to rehabilitate these dogs. And I think that could potentially scare off pet parents, potential pet parents, because they don't know a background or they're worried about how to gain this dog's trust and so on and so forth. So for pet parents listening who maybe are thinking about adopting or apprehensive or have a a rescue and they're trying to work with that rescue, what are some tips and strategies that you might give them to, to gain the trust of the animal they're adopting, to form a bond with them, to help them socialize, all those things? I think the biggest thing that we can tell people is to please be patient. I think that the expectations um, of people that come to adopt in many cases is that you're going to see this dog, you're going to fall in love with them, they're going to fall in love with you, 
you're going to take them home. They're going to be perfect on a leash. You know, they're going to have all these manners. Unfortunately, that's just not always the case. I mean, you're not starting with a, a puppy that has no like street background. And that's not to say that these dogs aren't absolutely amazing, but you have to give them time to settle in. And, you know, we, we do try to explain to people when you take this dog home and that's any dog, that's not necessarily a dog from the street or wherever. It's any dog. It's a new environment for them. And with these street dogs, many of them have never been in a house. So they have, they have no idea what, you know, stairs are or a blender or an ice maker, or when you're your heater uh, or air conditioner kicks on, the noise that makes. I mean, vacuum cleaners, everything is new to them. So be patient and go slow. You know, I mean, I remember years ago, somebody had taken uh, a dog home that was scared. And every time her heat would kick on, the dog would just freak out. And she had to start playing like low video noises of that happening to kind of get the dog used to it. So, um, and we have, we have wonderful trainers here available at Stray Rescue and not just the trainers, but people with like years of experience working with these types of dogs. So, you know, I would tell people to never, ever, ever hesitate about reaching out because chances are we've either dealt with whatever you're dealing with or something similar enough that we can help you work through this, but please be patient and don't just give up on the dog. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, that's fair for anybody who wants an animal, even if you're getting a dog, say from a breeder, like that dog is not going to be perfect all of a sudden. So no matter what you're thinking, you're going to get a puppy, you're going to get adopt a dog, you're going to need to spend some time with that dog, regardless of how you're bringing this animal into your family. I used to volunteer at a shelter. I would walk the the dogs. I would play with the cats in the cat room. But people would come in and there were so many misconceptions about these these animals. They're they're going to be aggressive. They can't be taught, you know, all that kind of stuff. What are some of the misconceptions that you often hear that you want to clear up, that you want to, you know, help these animals get rescued and, and help pet parents understand, you know, these animals can become part of your family? Well, I think for us, one of the biggest misconceptions that we deal with are the pit bulls that we rescue because we we do rescue so many of that breed and they are absolutely the best dogs. I mean, people I think people forget that years ago, like the little rascals, you know, Petey was a pit bull and and hung out with all those kids. They used to be used as nanny dogs. And are there gonna be some that maybe aren't good with little kids or other dogs, but they definitely can learn. And the other thing I think people forget is dogs have personalities, just like people have personalities and people don't all have the same personality. So the dogs won't either. That's why we really try to pair a dog with the right personality for the family. Even if we get the personality match right, does that mean that there won't be any issues in the home to work through? No, it doesn't. But please just give the dog time. We ask too, like when you take them home, give give the animal time to adjust to just you and your house and your family. You know, people get a dog and they take it home 
and they want to they want the whole family to meet them so <laughs> they invite everyone over yep <laughs> they're inviting all these people over and the dog is freaking out and and then maybe it it maybe it bites somebody or maybe it's just cowering in the corner shaking and then they're like oh well this isn't the dog for me well give them time to adjust you know it's it's a brand new situation and you know, I mean, I go into new situations and I'm not always comfortable either. So <laughs> yeah. you just have to be patient and give them time. And I would hope that people understand that because they can they can truly be the most amazing, loyal animals ever. I mean, I fell in love with pretty much every single pit that was at that shelter. I wanted to bring every single one home and they're just beautiful loving animals and everybody should give them a shot. But I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned the pairing process. So if a pet parent or prospective pet parent is thinking of getting or adopting a new family member, what should they expect in that kind of process? How are you pairing animals and families together? Well, again, that kind of varies from obviously situation to situation. I mean, some some people are very active, so they need an energetic dog. Some people are more couch potato, stay at home, watch a movie. So obviously they're going to want a, a lower energy dog or cat. <laughs> Some people, you know, have little kids. So you don't want maybe a big dog that could potentially knock them down. You know, you'd want to go with older kids or boy, you know, I mean, there's so many situations to that scenario. We just we really try to listen to what the families are looking for, because obviously, just like they want this to be a lifelong commitment for them, we want it to be a lifelong commitment for the dog as well. You know, we don't we don't want a, a dog to leave our shelter and then it gets returned. I mean, sadly, that happens. You know, we, we do understand that life situations change, but that animal should be able to to go through that life situation change with you, we really want these to be a lifelong commitment for the people and the animal. Yeah, 100%. And I think too, what, what sometimes happens is, you know, you'll see on the website pictures and stories, and maybe a family or a person has their heart set on this one dog, this one cat, and maybe it's not the right fit for them. I feel like it's important to remind pet parents to be open-minded. Like you could find Absolutely. an animal that you didn't expect would be the perfect fit for you. Absolutely. And a lot of times, um, you know, as people are looking through a website, um, you know, obviously they're, they're basing their initial uh, interest off what the, what the animal looks like. And then you meet it, maybe the personality, you know, just isn't right. And, um, you know, we say this a lot too, the animals pick their people you know, maybe it's not so much that you pick that animal, but this one picks you, you know, you sit on the floor with them and maybe one completely ignores you and the next one comes in and they're like on your lap. I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> maybe that's not the one that you would come in for, but that's the one that steals your heart here and the, the one that you end up taking home. So they absolutely pick us just like we, you know, we try to pick them. So, yeah. And I want to talk a little bit more about what you do and what an average day looks like for you at Stray Rescue. I'm sure no no two days are the same, but I do want to talk a little bit about the work that you do and how important it is to your community, to the animal community in general. So you're absolutely right in that most days don't look the same. 
so a lot of it just depends on calls that we get or if I'm out and about just kind of checking things out on the street. Sometimes weather dictates that too. You know, when the temperatures are really cold or super hot, you know, we're trying to make sure that any animal in need gets help. And, you know, when we do get a call, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what it is. You know, if it's an animal in need, like a mom and pups, we'll go in anywhere that we need to. There's unfortunately a lot of abandoned, really run down houses in the city and kind of in the metro area. The animals seek shelter in those places. And so that's why many times that's where we have to go get them. So we just, we do what we have to do. You know, I mean, um, I'm not going to leave an animal in a situation because the house is a little scary or there's a couple steps missing. So it makes it a little harder to get up the steps. You know, I mean, we've, like I said, we've had to MacGyver things to get to the animals before and to figure out ways to actually get them out. You know, it's not always the leash them up and they follow you right out the door. I mean, sometimes it absolutely is that they seem so grateful, like they're terrified of you at first. And then once you get that leash on, they're like, oh, heck yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> you know, they almost they almost beat you to the Jeep and open the door for you, you know, to get yeah. in. So, yeah, I mean, we do. We find ourselves in some pretty um, unstable situations. I bet. Yeah. It's worth it, honestly. I mean, people say, you know, are you scared to go in? No, I'm not. When it's when it's about getting an animal out, absolutely not, you know, because to watch them go from this terrified, like for instance, I don't I don't know if you followed Habanero's story. She was a, a recent rescue. And in the video you can just see her legs are just trembling. Yeah. And we ended up having to put her into a, a, a travel crate to get her out of the house safely. She's currently um, at the shelter and she's still fearful of situations, but she seeks out attention now and wants to be petted. And um, she's just you can tell that she's made leaps and bounds even in just the short time that we've had her. And, you know, is she ready for adoption yet? Maybe not, but definitely um, she's curious about that next step, maybe a foster home so that um, I, don't, I don't know what her life was prior to being in this abandoned apartment building. But, you know, she's to watch just the changes she's made in the in just a few days is it's it's so rewarding. It's the feelings unbelievable. Yeah, the success stories are incredible. And I, that kind of brings me to one of the topics I wanted to talk to you about, which is that rehabilitation process. What does that look like? I know every dog is going to be different. Every animal is going to be different. But what are some of the strategies that you use to get these dogs, these animals acclimated to new environments, to the shelter, to a foster, and then eventually to be able to be adopted? Yeah. So one of the early challenges a lot of times is getting the dog even acclimated to a leash. I mean, some of these dogs have never ever been on a leash. So, you know, and we'll usually when we bring them back, we'll give them a couple days to at least decompress a little bit and and get used to us and then just start introing them to a leash. Like we'll put it on, but we'll let them drag it around. Or if they're if they're kind of finding a safe spot in a crate, we'll put it on them in a crate and let them just sort of 
wear it for a while to get used to that and then start putting a little tension on it. Eventually, and by eventually, I mean a couple days. Other times it's, you know, a couple weeks or so that it takes these the animals to get used to that. And then short walks and, you know, trips to the yard. And some of them are what we would call flight risks where, mm-hmm. you know, we have to really make sure that people understand you've got to be careful when you open your door that that dog isn't close and bolts out the door because some have gone missing that way. We we teach our adopters and fosters techniques like putting an X-pen around your the area in your front door. That way, if you have to open the door, they still can't just bolt right out or put the leash on the dog in the house so that you have a hold of the leash if, you know, the door opens. Um, And that's even a way some of these dogs have never been around people. So if you walk the dog around the house on the leash with you and they have to stay with you, they can't just go find a corner to hide in or, you know, a place to hide from you. So it starts to acclimate them to people. And again, go slow, be patient, get down on the dog's level. When you kind of hover over them, that's sort of looming and scary to them as well. So get down on the floor and and get small. We call it, you know, getting small. And when you pet them, don't go over their head, you know, go under under their chin or on their chest. And Mm -hmm. just even in food, many of them are going to be treat motivated. So good, yummy treats makes them realize that, okay, maybe this person isn't so bad. It's just tips and tricks that we've all picked up over the years. And we give them a free uh, starter bag of food. So whether it's a puppy or an adult, they get a bag of blue buffalo food. They also get a little like backpack and we start them off with some toys and there's coupons, all with blue buffalo items. So that first of all, our dogs have all been on the blue buffalo food while they're here. So to transition them to a home, that's actually something that's good too, to keep them on that because first of all, their system is used to it. And then it's also kind of a familiar thing for them. So it's something that could help them transition to a new home just because it's another familiarity for them. Again, we, you know, we can't stress to people enough to be patient and to reach out because we are we are more than happy and we want these dogs. We don't want them to stay in the shelter forever either. So we we want them to be able to make that next step and fi- and find out what it's like to be in a loving home and to have your person and, and that kind of stuff. So you know, we will absolutely do what it takes to try to acclimate the dog uh, and people to the new situation. But be patient and go slow. That We can't preach that enough. Have you heard about the True Blue Effect? It's pretty cool, and I've seen my dog Teddy thrive because of it. What I'm talking about are the seven benefits your dog could experience from the key ingredients in Blue Life Protection Formula. We're talking about healthy muscle development, immune system health, skin and coat health, healthy digestion, joint health, strong bones, and the one I see most of all in Teddy is vibrant energy for an active life. All of this is thanks to the quality ingredients in Blue Life Protection Formula. Try it now. I mean, the work that you're doing, that the organization is doing, it's incredible. And it's great that so many people support you. I, I saw that you're partnering with Kenny Chesney as well. He's, he's donating, he's supporting 
Straight Rescue. I'd love to talk a little bit about that relationship and you know what that kind of support means to Straight Rescue. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, not only the financial support, but the word that it gets out to so many people because of him. The more the word spreads about the work that we do and and people follow and and appreciate or like what we do, they want to support us so that they're, I mean, we can't do what we need to do without the support of the people. So what he did was actually immeasurable. I mean, it's it's just absolutely amazing and we can't thank him enough. So he wrote a song about his dog, right? Correct. Yes. <laughs> and it was actually a couple years ago, I believe, that he wrote it. He just never released it. He was playing it on his own no shoes radio. And um, I guess people started asking him, you know, why did you why haven't you ever released that on, you know, uh, streaming sites and that sort of thing. So he's like, well, I don't know why. So he recently lost his dog, Ruby, and decided that he was going to go ahead and release this song. But he wanted this song about her to pay it forward to other animals. And he decided to have all monetary, you know, whatever comes from this, from streaming services and downloads and all that to to come to Stray Rescue. And we were actually so blown away by that generosity. I mean, it's just, like I said, we, we can absolutely not thank him enough. And for people to know, you know, more about his dog, Ruby, and what she meant to him. I mean, that's, that's how we all feel about the animals here. So Ruby gets to pay it forward. And that's amazing. Absolutely. How did that relationship come to be? How did Kenny Chesney get to know Stray Rescue? So our CEO, we kind of got involved with them through the hurricanes down in St. Thomas. So yeah, in 2017, the hurricanes Maria and Irma, the animals down there literally had no way to get off the island. And um, I guess there were no cargo transports. So Kenny actually got his own personal plane. We had people from here that went down and helped with the transport. So that was kind of where the initial connection came from. And then his manager, Jill, kind of got hooked up with our CEO and they became friends. And um, when Kenny asked his manager about, he was kind of explaining to her what he wanted to do with the song and who she thought could benefit from from that um, without hesitation she said stray rescue and you know it's it's been amazing yeah that's incredible what such an important and amazing partnership that you all have absolutely so yes it's it's great and everybody go stream the song download the song buy the song um, and support stray rescue in that way I want to touch on a couple other things before we wrap up and one of them is you know we've talked a lot about the work you do. And I know that it can be so hard. You deal with so much, you see a lot, and it's it's got to be difficult for you and for everybody who works at Stray Rescue and, and in that these organizations, these foundations, these shelters. What keeps you going? You know, how, what are some of your mental strategies to, to keep pushing forward, keep saving these animals and uh, not, not let the world get you down, as it were? I think the animals themselves are the driving force for me. I mean, and yes, um, 
Is it overwhelming some days? I mean, this job for everybody, not not just me. This is animal welfare in general. I mean, it's such a roller coaster ride. I mean, you can be on a woohoo, oh my God, we just got this mom and 12 puppies out of this building. And then the next thing you know, a dog that you had just rescued that wasn't in good shape passes away and you lose them. And you're like, you know, your emotions go from way up to way down and multiple times a day, you know, I mean, I have my, what I call mini meltdowns where, you know, you just can't do anything but cry no matter how, you know, you just, you got to just let it out sometimes. And sure. Um, you know, that's, I guess in my mind, that's kind of how I deal with it. You know, you, you just keep going and you go home and you hug your own dogs and you look at them and you're thankful and know that it can be that good. All right. A couple of practical things. First of all, if somebody comes across an animal who needs help, what should they do? What are some of the steps they should take? Should they ever approach that animal themselves? What What is, as a, you know, a concerned citizen, how do you approach an animal in need? Well, I guess, again, it kind of depends on what that situation is. You know, I mean, they should always, I feel like always try to help if if possible. And depending on the person's situation, you know, sometimes they can't stop or they're they're just not familiar enough with how to approach the dog or cat when you're not able to physically stop I guess and help yourself absolutely um, try to get a hold of somebody that can you know there's plenty of resources to shelters and area rescues that can step up and and help and again be understanding you know like right now our shelter is, maxed out. I mean, we are so full. And so we we really have to what we call triage what we take in, you know. Um sadly if if a dog looks healthy, um, and hopefully they're microchipped and they can just go home to their person, you know, that it's just a lost dog and they can go home. But it's really, really tough right now to for shelters across the board for some reason everybody is full and everybody is overwhelmed. And so, you know, if, if the people that find the dog are at all able to hold on to them as well, that's always helpful, but definitely reach out when they see an animal in need. Yeah. And for our listeners, how can they get involved either with Stray Rescue or other organizations that you would point them to if if they wanted to? Boy, there's all kinds of ways. Um, always, always donations for one. And that's not just money. I mean, we need blankets, toys, paper towels, laundry detergent, um, Vienna sausages. <laughs> there's many, many, many things to donate. You know, we have a wish list on Amazon, um, which helps in a couple of ways. First of all, you're helping buy something that the shelter needs. Plus, if you use um, Smile Amazon, I believe it is, then money, you can choose Stray Rescue or the shelter of your choice. Um, and and portions of your purchase go back to the shelter, which is also helpful. We also can always use volunteers. And that's people maybe that aren't okay with or comfortable with walking dogs. We ask that they first, any volunteer goes through an orientation which is generally about an hour long, but we can always use help walking dogs. Um, we always have mounds of laundry that need to get done if you're if you're not comfortable walking dogs. We also have like meet and greet rooms where if a dog 
um, maybe it's going through heartworm treatment or something like that, where it can't go out for long walks or playtime in the yard. So we have rooms that you can just go sit with dogs if you prefer to spend time with an animal, but not necessarily wanting to walk them, or maybe they can't go out. We have fundraising events that we can always use volunteers at those. Gosh, I mean, there's many ways to help a shelter. If money's not your thing or you can't afford to do that, there are many, many other ways to help. Awesome. Two more questions for you. Number one, you're a pet parent yourself. You've seen and helped get so many pets adopted. When you're kind of just looking on your buddy's app and like you see these milestones that people have for their pets, you know, birthdays and this, that and the other thing. What are the milestones that mean the most to you for for the pets that you have saved for your own pets? What what makes the makes your heart sing and you get to see, you know, wow, we made it this far. This dog has achieved this that we didn't think was possible. Wow. You know, I think the first thing that really comes to mind is the age of the dog, because so many of these animals that we get either as puppies or young adults, I mean, a dog on the street generally never lives past a couple years. So when I see a dog with a graying muzzle and they're celebrating, you know, 13 or 14 years, I can guarantee you that dog would never have seen that had it not come off the street. So being able to see them grow old with a family, laying on a couch, you know, or just going for slow rolls down, you know, walks down the street, vacations with families, you know, knowing that that dog never would have had that without coming off the street. That's, it's just, it's an amazing feeling to see that. I love that. All right. Last question. I feel like I know what the answer to this will be, but maybe it'll surprise me. If you could be any animal, what would you be and what would be your favorite activity? Oh, my gosh. Boy, I don't know. (laughs) Because kind of my second favorite animal is a polar bear. So the first thing that kind of comes to mind is being a polar bear out rolling in the snow Uh on the ice. Hey, I love that answer. Who wouldn't want to be a polar bear rolling in the snow? (laughs) (laughs) Especially, you spend a lot of time out in the cold. If you had all that fur keep you warm, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Well, Donna, this has been so much fun. Such a great chat. So fun to get to know you and learn about the work that you do. You've been listening to Life with Pets, the show that combines real pet stories with proven guidance from pet professionals. I'm your host, Hillary Georgie, and I hope this show has been a great resource for you as a pet parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to download the Buddies app. This episode was produced by the team at mission.org. Mission.org.